Welcome to Positivity Strategist, a podcast that injects a good deal of optimism and possibility into your life at home and at work. Conversations with thought leaders and everyday people shine the light on what works and amplifies those everyday micro moments of positivity, irrespective of what else is going on. You'll be energized by lots of practical tips, inspiring you to live a truly satisfying and meaningful life. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Positivity Strategist. I'm your host, Robin Stratton Burkessel. In this week's show, my guest is Taffy Williams, and we'll be talking about agile thinking and what that means. Listen in to Taffy for a sneak preview. So by going through and believing you can do anything, you will be more likely to find a path to accomplish something that others might have more difficulty with. So it is very important to have that positive attitude and to continue to have that positive attitude. And, and you will have times when it is really hard to maintain it. And it's at those times when you need it the most and you do the best you can to maintain it. But first, we have our Positivity Lens Reframe segment. Regular listeners tell me they really enjoy this segment. By applying some of the helpful insights that my guests share each week, you get to practice and strengthen your positivity muscle and to hone your ability to view people and situations through multiple lenses. Remember what you focus on grows. Now, in, in the previous show with Dr. Mark Goulson, Mark inspired us as we talked about his book, Just Listen, and that was positivitystrategist.com slash PS36. Mark truly encouraged us to pay it forward. It's about doing unto others as someone who cared about you did unto you. Now that someone is someone who stood up for you when you couldn't. Or that person stood by you in a crisis and didn't let you fail. Or that person stood by you because they believed in you so much and pushed you to do something. And they cared so much that they may have stopped you from doing something foolish. So the best way to pay them forward is to thank them and honor them. And then model the behavior or thinking that changed you for the better. You know, Mark's essential message was that you can transform someone else's life. And when we do that, we can change the world in an instant. And here's a reminder, if you enjoy this podcast and the wisdom and insights of my guests, please visit iTunes and give us a rating and review or Stitcher, whichever is your preferred podcatcher. Because that's how it works. The higher the rating and the more comments we get, this show can rise to the top, helping others find it. And so now to this week's show. Today, I'm delighted to be talking to Taffy Williams. Now, before I share a little bit about you, Taffy, let me thank you for being here today and welcome you to Positivity Strategist. Well, thank you for inviting me and uh, I'm looking forward to the discussion and and hope that we can share some words of wisdom with your listeners. Oh, that would be fantastic. And I'm sure having read your wonderful book, that will happen. 
So let me say a few more words about Taffy. Taffy Williams is the founder and president of Colonial Technology Development Company, which has helped launch a number of successful entrepreneurial biotech software and pharmaceutical companies. He writes the popular startup blog, as well as articles for examiner.com, and he's living in Concord, North Carolina. Now, the book that we're going to chat about today is Taffy's book called Think Agile, How Smart Entrepreneurs Adapt in Order to Succeed. It's a really good read featuring real-life case studies, stories, and invaluable tools. And what I found particularly valuable in this book is the concepts to action section at the end of every chapter. So Taffy provides real insights uh, and great insights into the need and value for thinking agilely or flexibly and why that's important. And the book provides practical know-how on issues such as funding, launch timetables, planning, repurposing and more. Now, a key takeaway for me is that today, more than ever, we need to be open to possibilities, to let go of being attached to just one idea. Now, there's a lot of information I've just shared and there are lots of questions. Um, So I'd like to start, Taffy, by asking you, what was your motivation to write this book? You know, I I had started writing Startup Blog uh, because after spending 15 or so years uh, working on turnarounds and uh, public uh, company sector and and building up, uh, working on building up companies. Um, my wife and I had um, decided to move uh, back to Concord, North Carolina. And one of the things that I did was I said, you know, I, sharing some of the knowledge that I had gained over the years might be really beneficial, and helping. Um, early entrepreneurs or young entrepreneurs figure out how to build companies. So I created the startup blog and then started writing for the examiner. And after writing the first couple hundred articles, I said, I wonder if anybody be interested in something a little bit more comprehensive, you know, and, and maybe elaborating on what I had. So I went out and, um, and found someone who I'd been in, written a number of business books, told them, you know, was interested in putting together a book that would be helpful for young entrepreneurs and and maybe even some of the more seasoned veterans. So we started discussing topics. And actually, one day, I, you know, I said, you know, look, all the topics we've discussed are great. But if people aren't flexible enough, and don't really learn how to roll with the punches, they're never going to make it. He says, that's your book. I said, what do you mean? Mm. <laughs> so we actually got into the discussion of all the times and, and uh, you know, when I've had to work with other companies or I've worked in companies uh, where things came up that were totally unexpected. Um, there were things that came up where I might have anticipated and I talked about a little bit about, you know, issues and, and how you can shorten some of your timelines. Uh, to complete a project or how you might overcome a barrier or how th- events might, you know, be, be uh, more uh, helpful towards making the company work when you run across these kinds of things. And uh, he said, you know, okay, that's it. So we actually spelled it all out, found a publisher, and uh, they accepted it, which is Amacom, they're the publisher. And, and that's how the book came about. Well, that's great. So a number of things in there, Taffy, you actually repurposed your blog content in a way. Uh, some of the blog stuff is in here, but mm-hmm. really the, the the blog is really totally different, mm-hmm. especially in the early stages. And most of the things that go into the blog now aren't really covered in the book. So mm-hmm. the book is independent and meant to be a total standalone. Mm-hmm. And there are other supplemental things in the blogs and articles that I write. And one of the things I tell people is there's nothing that I write that I haven't had to live through. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Yeah. So it comes from your own lived experience. So yeah. a couple of things for me. 
let's define what you mean by Think Agile, because that's the title of the book. Sure. It, it started off by uh, being flexible and thinking in a more flexible manner, being more prepared. And when you start thinking in terms of being agile, the concept is, is that uh, I'd like to describe it as a little bit about taking a road trip to go see grandma. You know, if you're going to go see grandma and you're going to you know, be up in, in the mountains and, uh, you know, you're riding along, uh, you know, what do you what do you think might happen to you on that road trip? Well, you know, one thing that happens is one time it snows. Uh, you know, did you toss a blanket in the back seat? You got water in there? Did you make sure your car was filled up with with stuff? You know, if you got stuck on the road, did you bother to check to see if the traffic patterns had changed before you left? Those are events that you can sort of partially prepare for. The events you can't prepare for are those events that you're traveling along and all of a sudden the road's blocked and you're going to be stuck there for a couple of hours, but you can have lessened the situation. Or the time when you get rerouted and you, you didn't bother to print a map and all of a sudden now you're out in the middle of nowhere trying to find a, find a detour signs. So in a sense, it's, a, it's not unlike um, those kinds of, of activities, but it's the idea of thinking a little bit more about where you want to go, how you want to get there, what things can in inhibit and prevent you from accomplishing your goals and how might you get around them if those events come up? Do you actually have a game plan that's an alternative? So it's, it's, some people describe it as plan A, B, and C. Mm. You can, you can think of it that way. Um, but it's, it's what happens is the what if scenarios. Uh-huh. Uh, you can't predict the black swans. Uh, those are going to happen. Nobody, you know, I certainly didn't predict it in 2008. That was that was almost between 2000 when the financial meltdown took place and 08. When 08, you know, we're starting to get recoveries in 08 when the financial uh, crisis hit. There's like a nuclear winter of financing. If you didn't have uh, ideas about how you're going to keep your company funded and you didn't have enough money in the bank, Chances are you didn't make it. Even the VCs weren't prepared for that. A lot of those, uh, you know, have gone by the wayside. And some of them are starting to finally build back up reserves, but they're more of the more established ones. And a lot of the smaller guys are gone. Mm, Yeah. So it's that flexibility, adaptability, being able to kind of pivot pretty quickly. All those kinds of buzzwords come up for me. Absolutely. Um, And, you know, one of the things I got out of reading it, uh, Taffy, was, you know, it is about it's an essential new mindset and um, you have you spell out five lessons for agile very early in the book. I found those really powerful, and I would love it if you wouldn't mind just talking a little bit about each of those five lessons for the listeners. Yeah, it's it's uh, it comes back from again nothing I write about uh, has not come from some level of of something in my life. So I worked for the military as a civilian for about 14 years. And in a military organization, um, you know, there are always standards or what I call the status quo. And and part of the first uh, point in the book I talk about is very early on. I talk about questioning the status quo. Right. So, you know, when you're questioning the status quo, um, you know, it's, they say, well, you can't do that. And I said, well, why can't you do that? And uh, they said, well, you can't fire somebody. I said, sure you can. Why not? And he says, because it takes too much work. Well, I did. Uh, you know, somebody they had kept around for 12 years that wasn't performing. Um, and But, you know, it's the idea of people adopting a mentality that you can't accomplish something and you falling into that same trap by not looking for alternatives to get around it and to accomplish what you really need to in order to be better 
than you could have been. Mm -hmm. So always look at the status quo. Uh, if somebody says, well, it's not possible. Well, I, in the first company that I worked on a turnaround, it took it from a $3 million market cap to 300. If I had questioned the status quo, every person on Wall Street said this company's not going anywhere. It was a turnaround. And, and there were a lot of reasons why it, even myself would have to believe that the company couldn't make it. But it's because I looked for all ways to make it work. It's because I questioned what they had uh, that went into figuring out how to do it. So question the status quo. That's, that's number one. Don't just believe something has to happen because people tell you it has to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so why don't you move on to the next one? Okay. Take more than one shot on goal. Uh, you know, it's it's you know if you're in the middle of a financing and you're trying to raise money, um, you know, there's more than one way to raise money. Uh, you got friends and family. You got investment bankers that can help you. You got venture funds. You got crossover funds. There's all kinds of ways to get it. You got, you know, there's even some new new things coming up with uh, the crowd uh, funding, and uh, you know, then you also have grants and you have government resources that apply for money, and you have so you have different kinds of of uh, sources of funding, uh, some dilutive, uh, some non-dilutive. And then you also have other things, you know, are there business partners uh, that might be interested in forming a relationship and giving you funds to do something? Or is it possible that one of those individuals would buy ahead of your product and pay you in advance for some discount, you know, in order to be able to give you enough money to be able to drive, uh, you know, your, your program forward without going out and raising capital. So how many different ways can you think of and then can you put those down to a narrower group that you feel you can handle in a focused fashion and have more than one route to come up with with uh, funding? Right. Uh, another 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 shot on goals. So let's suppose you want a business partner. How many business partners might be possible for your company? If it's one, okay, you may only have one shot on goal. Maybe you've got some other alternative. But if there's others, maybe you want to be approaching and talking mm -hmm. to them all simultaneously because you don't know which one's going to come through with the right kind of deal or if mm -hmm. any deal is going to come across. Mm -hmm. So you take more than one shot on goal. Mm -hmm. And so even for development of a, pro of a product, uh, sometimes uh, there's one path to make it work to get to the, same, to, to the end. But maybe there are places along the way where – you know, supplier, you might not be 100% certain and you have a second supplier on the sideline that might be able to pick up. Maybe there's a place where you're not sure whether your development team can work through that problem. Maybe you ended up hiring a second group to come in and work on it simultaneously so that you can make sure you get over that hurdle. So it's finding alternatives and having more than one way without losing your original focus of mm. getting to an end goal. Very nice. Yeah. So can I paraphrase that very simply as like being open to opportunities and other possibilities? It is. Uh, it, it's but being open is not the same as intentionally looking for intentionally looking for ways to get to the endpoint and having multiple ways to get to it. And the endpoint may be different for each one. I get it. Having a business partner may bring you money, but it's a different endpoint than going out and trying to do a capital raise using selling equity. Right. Great. But you ended up getting money. Your goal was to get money. The way you got the money may be different. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Uh, the next one I have down there was banished bureaucracy. Uh, again, I remember I worked in a military organization for a very long time, and I am not telling people to go out and overthrow the government. But the, the fact is, is I also uh, you know work with clients that are very, very large. And one of the things you don't need to have is excessive bureaucracy if you can avoid it. Sometimes you're stuck with it. I mean, a very large um, 
organization is going to have a large number of attorneys and those large number of attorney, attorneys have to feel like they get their hands all over every document that comes through there. And, and if you're trying to do something that I call a plain vanilla deal, you'd like to have something happen very rapidly. But what happens oftentimes in these bureaucratic situations is that it, it takes longer. It becomes more convoluted. There's more stuff in there. And, and you know, a very simple uh, deal would, would work better. If you're trying to make decisions, and you have to go through five layers in order to be able to get a yes or a no answer, or nobody can make a, a decision because everybody's worried about protecting their job. Mm. You know, you, the bureaucracy gets in the way of being able to accomplish those things you want. Yeah. And so banishing bureaucracy and finding ways to streamline and make uh, situate, make everything move more smoothly is very important. Yeah, I'd love to come back to that a little bit later um, because I have some questions and thoughts and I'd like to talk about organizational cultures. So yeah. let's come back to that one, Taffy. Okay. The next one is accept failure as a cost of doing business. You know, when you're in school, um, failing a class is a bad thing. I mean, you know, you don't want to do that. But the fact is, is people learn every time they fail. If you failed because you weren't studying, you should have learned something. If you didn't, the most important thing you should have learned was you should be studying. Um, you know, so you should be learning from those things that you fail. Almost every um, major um, business person who I would say is in the billion dollar category probably failed at something along the way. Mm -hmm. uh, there are a lot of them that, you know, that talk about it openly. There are a lot of them that don't. But the reality is everybody fails at something. It isn't a sin to fail. It's a sin to go back and repeat the same reasons you fail multiple times. Mm. So you should be learning. You should be applying uh, those things to the next uh, level. If you fail in a project, you find a way to make the project work. If you fail in a company, you figure out in your next company what you did wrong and try to fix it so that it doesn't happen again. If things happen that aren't your fault, it's still a failure of one type. What was it that led to it? How can you avoid it from happening again? The most important thing you can do from any failure is to learn and to not repeat it. So yeah. accept the fact that failure occurs. Understand that you learn from it. Don't be discouraged by the fact that it happens, even though it's a very traumatic thing in some case when a company fails. But try to make sure that you don't let it run your life afterwards. Yeah, well said. And I, lo I love the expression reframing failure. Yeah. Yeah, and I think you're describing how you can reframe failure. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you, every CEO, I mean, I have a standing joke I have about uh, CEOs. Uh, I don't know if you have time and you want to hear it, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, I've written a blog about it. It's actually in the book. It's, it's the right three letters. <laughs> okay. So, so, so Go every, ahead. Every CEO uh, will eventually learn this. So when a CEO comes into a, 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 a company, you know, they, they want to do a good job. So when a, one company and or a new entrepreneurial CEO comes in, he's intro, introduced to the exiting CEO. And the exiting CEO says, I've placed three letters in a drawer for you. And every time you run into a significant issue, pull the letters out. Pull them out in order that I've got them and read them and they will get you over that hurdle. So, so the guy kind of looks, scratches his head, says, okay, you know. So the old CEO leaves, the new CEO is in the chair. About six months in, a major catastrophe occurs. And uh, the guy really, you know, has lost it. He doesn't know what to do. So he reaches in and pulls out the first, le first letter and it says, blame it on your predecessor. <laughs> so the guy did. Everything blew over. Uh, he was fine for about another year. Then another major catastrophe occurs. And the guy's like, you know, 
having lost all hope, pulls out that next letter and says, reorganize. <laughs> so he reorganized the company that fixed the problem. Everything was just fine until for about a year. And then he, and then he had a, another major catastrophe. So he reaches in and he notices his last letter and he's hoping it's going to have really great advice. And it says, write three letters. <laughs> so, so the point is, is every CEO knows coming in. That's a good one. <laughs> or should know coming in that sooner or later, for whatever reason, uh, they're likely to be asked to leave. Mm. So failure doesn't mean that you've been asked to leave. It means that it's just no longer your time there. So, you know, having gone through, look for those successes you've had, figure out how to describe it, reframe yourself in terms of those, learn from the things you've accomplished, and then try to make sure that when you describe to people and your marketing of yourself to, for your next opportunity or whatever you're going to do, that you recognize this is a fairly common trend. Don't think that you've been thrown out because you're a bad boy or yep. a girl. Yeah. Yeah. Lots in that story. But let's move on to number five of your lessons yeah. about Agile. Well, the next one is uh, believe you can do anything. And and I've written articles on this as well. And the first thing that you, you have, it's like uh, negotiating. Uh, one of the, the, the key uh, characteristics of negotiations is sometimes if you go first in making your proposal, you set an anchor. And that anchor sort of fixes in the mind of those other individuals some point, as long as you're not, you know, so far out of the realm of possibility where they think you're nuts and, and they don't want to talk to you. So the anchor kind of kind of positions things. It's the same way when you go into a restaurant to order, you'll find higher priced things in a particular order or things they may want you to see up front. Um, you know, they may mention to you things that they want you to buy uh, that cost more so that you're willing to spend more. They're setting an anchor. Well, if you walk into any situation and and you believe that it can't be done, you set your anchor to a point where you're not likely to get it done. If you believe you can accomplish anything, that's the first thing you do is set that anchor that you believe you can do it. Mm -hmm. The next part is trying to develop strategies to look at how you can make something that other people believe can't occur, how you can make it occur. So by going through and believing you can do anything, you would be more likely to find a path to accomplish something that others might have more difficulty with. So it is very important to have that positive attitude and to continue to have that positive attitude. And, and you will have times when it is really hard to maintain it. And it's at those times when you need it the most and you do the best you can to maintain it. Yeah. So tell me about you. Do you have this positive attitude? Um, no, I haven't run out really. How does it manifest, Taffy? Well, let's, let's just say that I got started early. Uh, you know, it's, uh, my, my parents uh, told me you can do whatever you want to do as long as you want to do it bad enough. And it's like, yeah, right, right, right. And then when I went to graduate school, um, you know, I, I think I may have told you this story earlier. I was uh, working at the bench. I'd been doing several months trying to do this key project for my dissertation. And it would be the lead in for the whole dissertation. And I'd spent several months on it and I just couldn't get it to work. I went into my professor and, uh, you know, I says, give me something else to do because I was really getting kind of upset. I felt like I'd been spending all that time doing nothing. He says, mm -hmm. you didn't do it right. Go back out and make it work. He doesn't even remember making that comment. I was pretty angry at the time. So, <laughs> so I went back out. Within a few weeks, I figured out how to make it work. All of a sudden, that laid the path for me for all the publications, for all the stuff I did in my dissertation and everything and everything that I did, which then led me to a new path into into some place. And so I began to develop that attitude when I was doing research there. Uh, the professor or one of the professors I was working with on a daily basis said, here's what I think is going on in this thing. And I looked at him and says, I don't think so. So I argued with him for months and we finally turned out that I was right. 
Then I went to another place where I said, you know, where, where I uh, uh, created now an entire structure within a military organization for a program uh, that I led. And uh, I believe that we could put it together. I believe we could get the money. We ended up getting a large amount of money. We put it together. They asked me to run the thing when it was done. Uh, we ended up with uh, quite a, a large program where I was managing quite a, a number of people. I went on to there where I went into this one company, which was the first turnaround. So after being in industry for a while as uh, doing uh, research, I transitioned in. And, you know, when I went through to find the job, I was talking to somebody who was helping me. And he says, well, what do you want to do next in your career? And I says, I'd like to run a company. He says, oh, yeah, really great. You were a, a vice president of research in your last company. Why don't you pick something else? So about a thousand phone calls or so, 1,500 phone calls later and, and uh, you know, about a thousand letters to people, I ended up being in a position that was running a company where people told me that you can't, you can't make this work. It's not going to work. You should just run away. Well, when I left, it was when I started. It was a three million dollar organization. When I left, it was worth three hundred million. It later got bought by somebody else, and all the technology and everything was gutted, and it was reframed and turned into something else. Mm. So I began looking at that, and you know, took over another one. Yes, I had one that didn't. It was called an also ran. We sold it off in pieces, but um, you know, we we still managed to get salvage stuff out of it. And I've been now working with other companies. So with some of the other companies of, of those that I have spent most time with, one's already gone public. I've got one we're doing a 10 to $15 million financing on. We're trying to get business deals with a large client that um, that I work with. And in, in those processes, uh, because I have to have this positive attitude, a lot of times I work for equity and the only way I get paid is if the companies are successful. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's kind of interesting. If you don't develop the positive attitude, if you don't believe you can do anything, you don't try to use your strategies and all the key points here to be able to take something forward, I won't get paid. Mm. <laughs> you live by what you say. You make your living by what you preach that's correct. Yeah, that's very good. And I think this is why I liked um, the book so much, because it really links to my theme of really understanding what positivity is about in organizational culture. And it's that that um, culture of curiosity and optimism and looking at opportunities. And I think you say something in the book about paying attention to unexpected possibilities. Well, that's where a lot of inventions come from. Again, you know, from, from the jokes that, that I have with professors, we used to say, you know, why do you think all the postdocs, uh, you know, get Nobel Prizes? You know, because they're too stupid to know the experiments won't work. <laughs> it's like, why, why, why do all the people that, you know, come out with, with grades of C out of college end up being billionaires? Because right. they didn't know that you couldn't build a business. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so it's looking for those opportunities. Many of the inventions and the things that we have, and not all of them, but many of them come by accident. And it's looking for those things that occur around you and trying to figure out how to capitalize them when you find that really great accident. And even with businesses, uh, you know, 3M, I talk about this in the book, you know, the post-it was never intended to be the post-it. It was supposed to be a stronger glue. Somebody noticed that they could use it to hold, uh, you know, a, a bookmark in their hymnal. Uh, they decided to go back and test it, and they figured out how to turn it into post-its. So it was there. It turned out to have a greater value uh, doing something else. You know, the WD-40 was used for a totally different thing. You find where people have been repurposed because they realize there's an opportunity within something that they saw or they have and they figured out how to capitalize on. And if you don't go into things looking for opportunity, if you don't keep your eyes open for that opportunity, 
you're not going to be able to get it if your lucky break comes. Yeah, so that speaks to me now about let's go to the organizational culture piece because I think these kinds of people who notice these things, who sees the opportunities, see the possibilities, get excited and um, see potential in what they're doing and they use their imagination, they're creative and so on, that's a cultural thing, right? It doesn't have to, you don't have to be an entrepreneur per se to be no. able to make those kinds of changes and have that kind of impact. No, I mean, I can't, I got a lot of it from, from being a, a scientist in a laboratory. It's like that curiosity. How do I make something happen that other people don't know? Or how do I make a discovery? And, you know, even in a company, how do I encourage my people to be more open? How do I encourage them to look for opportunities if, that I might miss? You know, and, and it's an entire uh, scenario that you can run and try to get your organization to be more uh, more involved and more part of uh, of a birth, uh, a new birth of a company or growth of a company. Yeah, so, you know, that's the field that I'm very interested in and it's kind of how you develop organizational culture. And there are a number of very participatory methodologies that facilitate the, the busting of bureaucracy or the, the banishing of bureaucracy so that you have more inclusive decision-making and you're inviting people, these leaders who are lurking in the background, you know, to participate more in some of the, the future opportunities of the organization. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, you know, even even in the current organizations, you know, that I work with, if if the CEO doesn't want to listen and doesn't want to participate, you know, it can make things kind of awkward if the people don't feel uncomfortable in volunteering. Uh, the information. You're not getting necessarily the most or the best out of them. You really want to have people give you ideas and suggestions. And sometimes cross the cross between different backgrounds is very useful because somebody will see something you might not because of their background. So you really want to try to encourage that and become a little bit more uh, engaging with the people uh, that are on your team so that they can provide a stronger and better input. And when you're doing something and they see an opportunity or a way to do something better or make something better or create a new product, you want them to come forward with that. Yeah. So it's really valuing that diversity in all sorts of areas. Taffy, I'd like to change here um, and talk a little bit about the repurposing sec section in your book. And I'm just going to quote you here. You say that in a fast changing technology driven world, relatively few things remain successful for long. Now that sounds a little provocative. And so that kind of allows you to introduce this notion of repurposing. I'd love you to talk a little bit more about that now. Yeah, who, who has the best cell phone right now? And who has the best cell phone tomorrow? I mean, it was like going back and forth between Samsung and iPhone. Uh, you know, and by the way, do you still carry a dial, uh, you know, dial up or one of the punch things that, you know, phones in your pocket with none of the background stuff? Uh, you know, you don't, we can't get on the internet. I mean, I know people will still carry those, but uh, look at the fast changing things that take place there. Look at, uh, look at what the internet, you know, back in, in, uh, in the eighties when it first started and the interactions and the changes in computers for that time frame. Or, or look at drugs. Uh, they don't stay on patent for long. They can become generics. All of a sudden, the margins on those disappear, and they have to come up with new uh, new opportunities or repurpose these uh, drugs in order to be able to get value out of them. Mm. You know, you, you will find uh, many items uh, to to be used in unique and different ways. You know, for, for different purposes. I mean, if you go back and look right now, I don't I don't know if you've done this yet in your home. I replace all my light bulbs with LED bulbs. Right. They were used as electronic components. 
you know, the, 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 uh, years ago. And, uh, and and all of a sudden, the vacuum tubes and things in the TV sets are gone. Look at how thin the plasma screens are now compared to a regular TV. So things change as technology progresses, products change. You have to be prepared to change uh, very rapidly. If you happen to be in the in the areas working with nutraceuticals, uh, these are or you know or or herbal supplements. If you're in the area working with cosmetics, they oftentimes have to change every year to every year and a half because uh, people's trend you know buying patterns change and they get you know excited about the next new thing. And so you had to be prepared to do that. So the repurposing comes in because many things, and I mentioned already the glue that was with the Post-its, and I mentioned the, the, the you know, WD-40 and that it had another application. This, this occurs quite frequently. Looking for opportunities for some of your old products, there's a value in there. And mm-hmm. if you find that value and can find a way to commercialize it, uh, you may be at the forefront with, a whole, with an old product with a brand new use. Uh, people probably don't realize if you're on Coumadin, um, which is a blood thinner, that it also is used as a rat poison. You know, if you go out and you put it out to get rid of uh, critters in your basement, that's one of the ingredients that they use. Uh, if you go in for surgery, they use a Karari to relax the muscles before they go cut. Mm. Well, that's used. that was used in Africa to be able to bring down a large game because it would cause them to stop breathing and they would just quit. The, you know, Botox is a toxin. Uh, it's given to smooth out wrinkles. If you, you know, even people can be repurposed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a bench scientist. I mean, I worked at, you know, I was, I loved doing research. Uh, I worked in research in a company and I became, I decided that I moved more into the business area. Now I actually help create companies. I help uh, go through and do all the pieces in there. People can be repurposed and they can be in different professions. Uh, I have a, a, one of my, I know someone quite well that was a real estate agent for a long time. He worked for a bank and now he is, he works in the IT sector teaching people how to do, um, how to put together uh, teams to create uh, great programming and uh, other things for computers. And he taught himself this stuff and he went to school to relearn it so you can repurpose yourself. Right. So it's that ability to make changes and realize how to take something old and turn it into something new and improved uh, where you can also gain value. Yeah. Is reinvention a synonym for repurpose in your situation as you're thinking of it? Oftentimes it can be. It doesn't have to be. Uh, Sometimes uh, you do it out of necessity. If you're out of a job, you may be reinventing yourself. You might realize you have a different area of interest and move in that direction. Um, you know, you can sometimes look at them the same way. It might be that when some, somebody called you one day and says, I've got a really interesting opportunity. I'd like for you to come in. It could be by accident. You don't have to reinvent anything. You found out about it because you got involved in it and really liked it. Sometimes it's a, an invention and reinvention. Sometimes it's a, you get involved, but it's that ability to recognize and be agile enough to know when you see something as an opportunity, capitalize on it. So, you know, a lot of the messages and the examples in this book, you say it's geared for entrepreneurs, but I've been leading you down the path saying that I think it's really applicable and relevant to all kinds of business people, not necessarily entrepreneurs. So I'm asking myself, is this about an entrepreneurial mindset? Do we say that somebody who is successful in business today or in their field of endeavour would also benefit from having some of these attributes that you're describing here and saying they belong to the entrepreneur, but they're also relevant to others. It, it works for any organization at any level, 
uh, and for any individual at any level. And and the when you get into larger organizations, keep in mind you got to banish the status quo. If you're the guy on top, you got to make sure people understand this is where you're headed, you know, and make it easier for them to begin to adapt, and then try to begin working them into it. You're going to reinvent your organization or repurpose it to be more oriented towards this type of an attitude. Yeah, that's it, my it, sense. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, in, in a sense, it works for everybody. Some will take more work. You know, and because of depending on the circumstances and some will take less work, some will fall into this and get it right away. Uh, Some will have to go through a great deal of effort to be able to convert an entire organization if that's something that they want or take a unit and convert it. Mm. Yeah. So one of the questions I love to ask people, Taffy, and it comes from my appreciative inquiry methodology, which kind of underpins the work that I do it's asking people what they truly value about themselves. So as you think over your career and how you've repurposed and the contributions that you're making and what you're teaching others, what is it you truly value about yourself? Um, the first thing is, is that, uh, you know, and I always, it drives my wife crazy. Uh, I always <laughs> am told something, uh, it says, you know, here's what we're going to do. I said, and I, ca- I ha- immediately will come up with five ways of doing it. She only wants one. <laughs> So it's, it's finding those five ways to get to the goal. And she really only wants one. It's okay, we'll do this one. And then if you get stuck, I, I will move it around. And the belief that I can get there, we ran into an issue here locally where somebody called and says, you know, this can't be done. And I said, okay, I can do it. And I took it out. It was getting a car repaired. They said, the car is no longer any good. Uh, you can't do it. There's no parts. And it says, I can get it fixed. So I actually went out. I found somebody. I took it to them. And within a week, the car was up and running. And I says, if you got everything fixed, he says, I'd be, I have no problem driving this for the next four hours to the beach, uh, you know, and it is, it'll hold up for a long time. Somebody had just said it can't be done. So, so all the things that are in here are things that I sort of have uh, partially built into me or I have learned over mm. the years and tend to work work light. And yeah, I drive some people crazy. I have this stick to itiveness that I won't give up. My wife says, you're like a dog on a bone. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's the case. <laughs> yeah. I kind of stick to it, but that's what makes the business parts work. Yeah. What else? Well, I tend to have a sense of humor about stuff. Even if you haven't figured that out mm-hmm. and uh, I like to enjoy doing what I'm doing. I like to have fun doing it. Uh, I like other people to laugh. Sometimes they don't get the jokes and they, they you know, and they take them too seriously. So I tend to have a sense of humor that might be a little bit different. Sometimes it's a little bit strange, but, uh, you know, those kind of things. Uh, And, uh, you know, I also uh, have a tendency to uh, be a little bit more regimented. Every morning I get up, I'll go work out and then um, and then come back and, um, you know, and and then go to work. So I kind of try to get fit into a schedule. But uh, I have because of family commitments, things that sort of have to make adaptations. So I tend to try and tie all those together. And I've gotten you know, even to hobbies uh, and picked up some of those. And even in those hobbies, I'm always looking for opportunities uh, where those kinds of things that I like to do might might be more fun or give a better, uh, better uh, activity or something like that. That's great. Yeah, well, as you know, I like to offer my guests or leave them with three things that perhaps that they could try out. That's related to how they could bring greater positivity in their lives. And since I've already identified and you've identified that a lot of the attributes that you're talking about and some of the successes came out of what I would call being very positive about who you are in the world and what you contribute. So do any 
are there any that you that come to mind right now that you could offer the audience that they might like to try out for themselves? Well, the first one and and one that I believe to be extremely important and I've talked about already is you got to start off by believing you can do anything. So find a project, find something you're doing, find something you know that is going to be very difficult. And instead of saying it can't be done, say, yes, it can be done. I just got to figure out how. And then go back and put the effort into figuring it out because every time that you do a project and you succeed, it will be easier to recognize that you can overcome those hurdles and make something happen. Beautiful. So, so do that first. Um, the second thing is don't be afraid to fail. If you're afraid to fail, you're not going to even attempt it in the first place. So don't give up. Just, just go ahead and, and jump in and do it. Lay a game plan out. And, uh, you know, and then come up with more than one route to make it happen. So, you know, I actually get caught in my own traps. I mean, you probably don't have enough time, but I have this long story about changing a light bulb in my house. <laughs> <laughs> and the short version. And you're not even version, Irish, right? <laughs> no. And the short version is that this is uh, this turned out to be to change this light bulb, a uh, four hour ordeal with me on a nine foot ladder, sweating profusely. And five trips to the hardware store to be able to get the thing put up when it should have been a 20-minute job. <laughs> so one day when you're interested, we can do that. <laughs> but trust me, it's like I even look at myself like, how could I have done that? <laughs> you probably had five ways to do it. That's why if you'd listened to your wife and just done the one thing, then it may have worked for you. <laughs> no, it, tur- it turned out that I started off with the one thing, which progressed into another one, which progressed into another one. And rather than survey the situation up front and actually understand and lay out the game plan and get the right game plan up front, I just assumed because I was so knowledgeable about doing this, and I had done it so many times before oh. through many fixtures, that I got caught in my own trap. Ooh. When you actually get caught because you believe there's only one way to do something and you know how to do it, and you're not paying attention and looking at everything else, that is the one thing that can really uh, – you can hurt yourself just because your own beliefs that I can do it. There's only one way to do it. Yay, that's, that's very good. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should hear the rest of the story because basically some of it has to be bleeped out. <laughs> I'm going to leave everybody guessing about that because it's just too much fun. <laughs> so, um, so was there a kind of a positivity tip in there? Like, um, yeah, don't get – well, it's kind of a negative thing, but, you know, it's really about being open to all the different possibilities and don't get – Stuck and just doing it the one way, right? Don't don't eat your own dog food. Mm. Recognize, don't recognize <laughs> that, that you know. Recognize that even though you may have the greatest way of approaching something, there may be other ways, and you need to make sure that you're not down a path where you have already pre-assumed mm. something will work a particular way only to find out that that way wouldn't work because you didn't pay enough attention. Yeah, yeah. Unlearning is a big thing. You, you need to do that. Make sure that you are 100% certain before you start that mm-hmm. the way you're certain is going to work is going to work and be prepared what you will do when you find out that it doesn't. Yeah. Okay. And I think, Taffy, that's another message, you know, in this entrepreneurial mindset that you know that you can't do it alone, that, you know, you don't have all the answers. And I, we've kind of covered that a little bit earlier yeah. in the conversation. This is really great. So um, 
I want to say that you, your episode is going to be positivitystrategist.com slash PS37. So anyone who's listening in and they want to read the show notes and find um, access to some of Taffy's great resources that you'll be able to find it there on that page, um, positivitystrategist.com PS37. And Taffy, um, what's the easiest way for people to reach you other than through my show notes page? How else could they reach you directly? Okay. Yeah, there, there are quite a number. First of all, uh, in this, if you go to any of the articles that I write, so Startup Blog is one, the Examiners and none, or I'm on LinkedIn um, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, my Twitter handle is at T-W-I-L-L-I-2861. Yeah, we'll ha- I'll put all those links on the show yeah. notes page. And all great. those links yeah. are in there. But if you go to the bottom of any of the articles that I write on Startup Blog or on the Examiner, okay. at the bottom is a complete set of links that take you to all the things, including the book. Perfect. And the book can be found at thinkagilebook.com. And you'll find links to everything there as well. Super. So um, before we say goodbye, and I thank you so much for this really fun conversation, Taffy, um, lots of great stuff. Is there anything else that you'd just like to say by way of closing? Yeah, thank you, <laughs> Beautiful. We will. We know we have clearer <laughs> sense now of what that means. Thanks so much, Taffy. It's been great fun. Have a great day. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And so now let's go to our Positivity Lens reframe activity inspired by this week's guest, Taffy Williams. Remember that you can download these tips from the show notes page of this episode and that's positivitystrategist.com slash PS37. So... In order to think agile and develop some of the attributes of an entrepreneurial mind, here are some of the takeaways. Inspired by Taffy. Number one, believe that you can do anything and put effort into how you do it. You can overcome hurdles. Believe it first and then you find a way. The belief comes first. The second one is reframe failure. Don't be afraid to fail. Jump back in with a fresh game plan based on your learnings and insights. And the third one is, there is more than one way to do things. Keep open to other ways at all times. And then your own preparation is key. So in closing this week, here is a gentle reminder. If you are enjoying Positivity Strategist, Don't forget, you can help us by heading over to iTunes or Stitcher and give us a rating or a review. We're passionate about bringing greater positive energy into the world, and this podcast is one of the ways in which we can do that collaboratively. Also, you can be notified of new episodes by email. Links to all these suggestions are available on positivitystrategist.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening and remember, what you focus on grows, so grow towards your best.